Hey guys, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Whiteley. Uh, a casual one here today, and I'm joined with uh, ex-mayor Jay McKenzie, um, founder of Share, uh, Cha- Share Charity. Um, we spoke, uh, last time we spoke was on Shared Biscuits, the first one we did, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm very casual today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I just thought, um, rather than... Um, write down loads of notes, uh, go into a, like a, a, a proper formal show. Let's just have a, have a chat, get to know each other. And if uh, while we're getting to know each other, the listeners get to know more about you as well. So sure. ha- how have you been? Um, well, I've been busy um, with the crisis. There, there are lots of ways of doing things differently now. Um, I'm a counsellor, so I've been organising volunteer groups in Sutton and Column to help vulnerable residents get the things that they need. Um, but that's easing off a bit now. Things are opening up. Um, my charity, Share Shrewsbury's, got a unit in the Riverside. So I'm thinking about how to open that safely, um, how to get things moving again. Uh, what do you guys do at the unit there? Is it just to organise and where you guys are going to go, what you're going to be doing? Well, I was very lucky to be offered this. Um, it's a big unit. There's a community cafe that was already there. So... Um, that's a great asset to us. Um, but we ourselves, we have uh, an office, we have a small meeting room, a couple of consulting rooms, um, nice f- facilities, a shop, a share Shrewsbury shop. So um, we're able to give people individual support um, if they're concerned about addiction or um, trying to get into recovery. We can also um, support groups that will meet in our meeting room. So um, we like to rent the rooms out too. So if anyone out there is interested in renting a very cheap space right in the centre of town, um, please get in touch. So when you see you offer support, um, who have you got on board that can offer that support? Have you got counsellors with you and stuff? Well, we rely on volunteers and we're fortunate that we've got an experienced drug and alcohol counsellor who's offered to come and give us some help on Saturdays so we can offer individual counselling slots and he sees people and signposts them, does a bit of well-being, um, a bit of um, support in the issues they may have and you're quite right, you need to have someone who's experienced and expert to offer that kind of support. Um, very often with um, issues around recovery and um, addiction to substances, we don't have the right expert help and treatment out there. Yeah, it seems to be a nationwide thing at the moment, you know. Uh, I think everybody's heads are turned in different directions at the moment, aren't they? Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, it's really difficult because uh, addiction services are already pretty low in the pile. Um, people don't really feel naturally that they want to support services like that. And this is part of what SHARE's all about because we want to challenge that addiction and prejudice that's out there in society Um, The sort of views that think that somebody with an addiction is going to be unemployed or homeless or sitting on a bench or drinking from a bottle in the day, Um, that's a stereotype view. But actually, I would say almost everybody that I've ever spoken to has someone in their family or a friend who suffers from issues around addiction. So it's right there in the centre of our community and, and we need to accept that and try and support people. Hmm. I mean, 
it's 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 difficult, isn't it, as well? Especially if you know someone in the family. I don't know, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom's got a bit of a problem. How do you approach that? I mean, you don't want to offend Uncle Tom. You don't want to push him deeper into his problems, and you don't want to grab him and shake and be like, "You got a problem?" Because that might cause an argument. So, how do you approach someone that's got a problem and and have that conversation with them? You're right. Uh, very often you can't um, address this head on because all you're going to do is push somebody away. But maybe you can talk in a more indirect way that you've missed them from a couple of family occasions. You wondered if they're OK, how they're doing and give them an opportunity to start the conversation with you if they feel comfortable. Um, there's so much shame associated with addiction that, that people don't feel they can talk about these problems. And yet, all the evidence now tells us that it is a brain disease. It's something which affects and changes the structure of the brain. And it should be treated just like any other physical condition, with no thought of stigma. And um, We should be getting the services that anyone else with a, a chronic long-term condition gets. Yeah, one of my heroes, um, he's, he's a great podcast as well, is Russell Brand. Russell Brand is, yeah. is, is a funny guy, but he's so he's, he's kind of really transparent. He's always like, I've been an addict, I've done this, and, you know, he's, and he's like, he lists the things that he's mm. been addicted to. And so he's, he's been addicted to sex, he's addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, and he's found other therapies and other ways to help himself. But I guess he's been in a situation where he's, he's lucky to have lots around him with the money that I guess that he's earned. Well, yeah, although at the time, um, and he was successful at the time when he actually decided to face up to and address his addiction, um, his life was falling apart. Um, I'm very fortunate to know the guy who um, ran the rehab unit where Russell Brand went and basically where he would say his life was saved and turned around. Um, and that's a guy called Chip Summers, who's a trustee of my charity. Wow. Um, in fact, Chip was... Um, we were so fortunate because uh, we had an event a couple of years ago and I was mayor and he actually got Russell Brand to do a video for us personalised to Shrewsbury which is on our um, Chair Shrewsbury website I don't know if it's on our Facebook page but um, Russell is someone I'm, I've, I'm still hoping to draw into helping with Chair Shrewsbury because like you say he's just a fantastic advocate and champion of addiction. Um, he talks about it in the way we all should feel we can talk about it. And um, I, I listen to his um, YouTube channel. I think he speaks a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's a, he's a good role model on the fact that he, he's like, yeah, I've got a problem. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed about it. I did something about it. You know, you're talking about there's a lot of shame about, you know, addiction uh, and owning up to it. Um, sometimes it can be seen as quite heroic, and that's the point mm. I'm trying to make, is that sometimes when you stand up to those things, you're a hero, you're a survivor. You're right, and um, a lot of very creative and successful people have been or are addicts, and um, there is some thought that there's something about being impulsive, creative, adventurous, pushing the boundaries that could predispose you more towards addiction. Um, and those outdated prejudices, um, the more people like Russell and others who can come forward, the sooner we, we'll be able to um, destroy those myths. Um, we talk about this on our Facebook page, and we, we also put up videos um, that are spoken by various um, entertainers or successful people in the show, showbiz who talk really frankly about their addiction because it's something that none of us can be smug about this. 
any of us could be very close to that path that leads to addiction. If not substances, it could be something else in your life. We talk about being addicted to love. So um, most of us are aware of the kind of uh, irrational actions and impulses that, you, that overcome you when you are feeling addicted to something. Uh, I don't want to trivialise it because it is a brain disease, but um, it's not so far from any of us. Yeah, and we were just talking before we hit record that um, during my time off uh, from work, uh, I decided to fill up my schedule. I mean, completely fill up my schedule. I, I was up till two o'clock last night recording a show in America for America. Well, it wasn't in America. Um, and that's me That's me showing signs of addiction. I'm, I'm addicted to what I do. I, I genuinely love what I do as a passion. And I'm kind of torn between, am I addicted to this? This, this pushing myself and creating content constantly working or am I just passionate I mean where does the line where does, where does it stop yeah. that's a really interesting question um, the, the line between um, addiction really and, and dependent behaviour um, could be defined as when you continue with a behaviour even though it's harming you and those around you um, so it's when you just can't it's completely out of control you can't stop it um, and you see that in alcohol addiction, drug addiction, you see it in anorexia, you see it in tobacco addiction, gambling, many different forms of, of addiction. Um, with alcohol in particular, um, you also will have a physical addiction. So you may be aware that you are dependent and addicted when you have withdrawal symptoms, severe and painful, unpleasant withdrawal symptoms when you stop uh, drinking and it's often said of uh, addiction to alcohol that you have to have a drink just to feel normal again, just to be able to function. Um, imagine having a, a migraine and if you just took a drink, it would take it away and you could function and go to work. It's a bit like that with alcohol addiction. Um, you're so ill if you don't take that drink. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it on the share biscuits. I knew a lady I worked with years and years ago. Um, it's got to be 10 years ago now. And um, she was the nicest kindest lady you'd ever met um and we'd get to the, get to a, a point in our shifts where we'd spend a, a good few hours together alone in the, in the workplace and we'd just sit and chat and she was a lovely lady um and she would sometimes she would have the shakes and she would say, she'd tell me that she'd had a problem and she had a problem with drink um and the shakes were because she was trying to abstain from it because her daughter was like she gave her a daughter gave her an ultimatum and said you need to stop the drinking because you make mm. a fool of yourself or you can't be, you can't see your grandkids. She stopped drinking. She died. Ooh, tell me a bit more about that. Um, she, I think she just had like uh, I, I can't remember the, the, the but she had like organ failure. Like mm. she, she just stopped. She didn't take any medication. She put herself through mm. a great deal of pain, uh, and, and she died. She passed away. I came into work the one day, and they were like, oh, "She's she's mm. gone." And I was like, "What?" I was chatting to her last night. <laughs> it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me. Well, you've highlighted something. Um, people talk about what is the most dangerous drug in the world. And far and away, the most dangerous drug is alcohol. And that's recognised by the World Health Organisation and any other health organisation um, because it's so dangerous. And withdrawing from alcohol is more dangerous than withdrawing from heroin. Uh, because it can kill you. It can kill you um, because you may have epileptic fits, mm. because the brain is reacting to being deprived of the ethanol in the alcohol. You may fall over, hit your head. Um, you may hemorrhage. I, I don't want to go into too mm. much detail, but there are lots of ways to, to die. Um, 
and withdrawing from alcohol has to be done under professional supervision if you are dependent um, because you have to um, slowly acclimatise the brain to being without alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very dangerous. And um, can I just say something else as well? Um, I, I talk to people a lot about um, drugs and addiction, alcohol, but um, one of the reasons that I started my charity is because I was one of those people who had to stand by and watch somebody that I loved suffering from um, alcohol addiction. And I just want to say something for those families, because um, no mistake, there's no mistake here, it's a horrendous disease. And for those who have someone that they care about or a friend who is um, in the throes of addiction, it is a most terrible place to be, painful. Um, and also, um, just watching someone hurt themselves is a very difficult thing to do. Mm. So it tears the family apart. It's a, it's a real family disease. And how do you... like? How many different approaches do you have to take for this sort of thing? Because, I mean, obviously, the, not everything works. I mean, the, the, the hard approach, the subtle approach, the drop them mm. off at the door at rehab approach, you know, what, mm. I mean, how do, you, how do you cope with that? It, it is really difficult because one of the um, symptoms, if you like, of addiction is denial. So um, people can be suffering, they can be physically um, ill and sick, they can be not functioning, they can be comatose a lot of the time, and yet if you ask them very often, they'll say they're okay, they don't want help. Um, so denial is actually a mental health um, issue around helping people. And they, there's a, in fact, they call um, treatment-resistant addicts that group who, who won't admit they've got a problem, but they need help as much, if not more, than anyone else. And um, now they're developing ways of um, getting through to people like that, helping to turn their lives around, helping them to understand that they do need help, and helping them to be dry or, or clean for a while so that their brains can start to think clearly again and to start making more rational decisions uh, about stopping uh, doing whatever it is that they're doing. And uh, it's spotting the signs, how do you, I mean... If you're in denial, how do you spot the signs yourself if you're going through the situation? I mean, obviously you know how much alcohol you've bought and drank. Um, but if you're in denial, you're kind of like, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll next week, next week, next week. I mean, we've had a, a, a tough couple of months, you know, with the, uh, the lockdown and then all the, the BLM stuff that's going on around town at the moment, around the world. It's, it's, it's kind of a harsh place to be at the moment. You know, people have been locked in their, in their, in their houses uh, stuck in their own ways and doing their own thing, and I guarantee there's going to be a lot of people that have been sat there bottles a while in the in the, in the cupboard. Um, how do you spot those signs, and what do you do when you think you have a problem? Well, uh, very often it it is the people around you who will speak to you first because they've noticed changes in your behaviour, and you may notice that you've missed appointments, you've forgotten things, you've let people down, you're behaving differently. Um, and another feature is um, becoming isolated, choosing to be on your own, to drink on your own, not wanting to be at social occasions. These are all things that you may start to observe about yourself, or others might bring it to your attention. Um, and these are ways in which you can you can get some signal or some idea that there's a problem. Um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what goes on psychologically there when you're like, I'd rather be on my own and drink. Is that because you're ashamed? Have you said, you don't want people to see how much you've drank? I mean, I've experienced, have you? It's because, well, I don't know exactly why it is, but talking um, to those who've have been through that sort of thing, partly it's shame. They don't want, they know, they actually do recognise they have a problem and they don't want anyone else to know about it. They want to hide it. Uh, it's an opportunity to take the substance as much as they want to. Let's call it, say it's alcohol. Um, you'll find that someone who um, is addicted will have bottles hidden around the house um, that they go and uh, remove when they can. Um, or you will find that your your drink um, goes missing um, with no explanation, which has happened to me plenty of times in the past. Um, I would also like to say that although um, people are in denial... They actually obviously do know what they're happening, what's happening, and they are piling shame upon shame in, in themselves in that they regret their actions um, but can't help themselves. And so that's another reason to withdraw because you don't have to face up to what you're doing to yourself mm-hmm. and to others. And, of course, we use uh, substances, we use alcohol to self-medicate, to take away the pain, to stop thinking about things, to relax. So it's a way that the brain can just switch off to issues which it just doesn't want to face at the time. And, I, you know, people, I've seen people try and destroy themselves. I see it a lot. Um, just drink themselves into oblivion, whatever. I don't care. There's no help in them. Um, what do you do in that circumstance? I mean, you can't ring the police and be like, they won't stop drinking because they mm. won't do anything. How do you help someone like that? It's got to be impossible, right? There's a lot more understanding now than there was. Um, and these days, um, social services, etc., and organisations are beginning to understand that this is um, a self-neglect issue. This is something where people um, are out of control. They're doing things to harm their body. And actually, do they really have capacity to make those decisions? And perhaps in certain circumstances, you should be able to, with those people, put them in a place of safety where they can um, dry out or or come to a point where they can make a rational decision about whether they want to go back and carry on drinking or actually want to make a choice about that. Um, Up to now, we've had this view where you just leave people. If they want to drink, let them drink. Unfortunately, hey, they've died, Um, this happened, that happened, but there's nothing we can do. It was their choice. But increasingly now, understanding it is a mental health problem and that the the brain is rewired by the effect of long-term drinking, uh, people actually do not necessarily have the capacity to make those decisions. And I can tell you there'll be lots of uh, family members out there who say, who really wish that there were powers to allow people to be put in a place of safety so they can't just kill themselves, drink themselves to death. Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting because, you know, it's, you know, you see on TV, on movies all these times where, you know, they have the, uh, what's it called when they, when they, a group of family grab, grab someone and they're like, <laughs> intervention, that's it, okay, yeah, an yeah. intervention. You see that all the time, um, mm. but you never think about it with like the, the officials and, and things like that. Mm. That's interesting. There's something in America called Cases Law, which was um, a change in the law brought about by a family whose, um, whose child called Casey died through alcohol addiction, where they continuously um, asked for support, asked for rehab, asked for um, 
um, local organisations and services to give us to give them the support to stop their child from killing themselves through drinking, um, because. When you're addicted, you have no control over this. This is not your fault, and you can't control it. You will drink and drink and drink. You'll you'll have no off switch. Um, and it makes sense as well, because I mean, like if you if you like you said, if you don't have the capacity to stop yourself from hurting yourself, you'll get a section. You you'll be sections. So what's 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 wrong? You know, uh, using alcohol as a weapon is still a poison. It's still going to hurt you. So there's no reason why they shouldn't. Well, yeah, you're quite right. And with anorexia, people will be sectioned. And if it's seen that they're um, endangering their lives by not eating, they will be put in a secure unit and given treatment and help and support. So um, anorexia is just another addiction. Uh, and yet um, we know from a lot of psychological testing and surveys and work research that it's viewed in a far more positive light by the public um, that, that almost anorexia is seen as... Um, the typical, the typical image is of a young girl, attractive young girl, wants to exercise too much, wants to diet, and the, gen, the public generally have a positive um, um, perception of that. Whereas, of course, with people who are addicted, um, it's almost the opposite. It's seen as their responsibility, their fault. They need to do something about it. And so no wonder the services aren't there to support them yeah. because the public don't think it's needed. And yet there's no difference between anorexia and an alcohol addiction in, in how it affects the brain. Mm. Yeah. Have you, I mean, you've, you've obviously been working with a lot of people that suffer from addiction since you started SHARE. Have you seen um, good things come out of the most extreme circumstances? Obviously we can't use names, but have you seen mm. like the worst case scenario? Say, I don't know, someone's had to be thrown into I don't know how that sounds really disrespectful you know what I mean there's people that are destroying themselves won't listen to people and then all of a sudden they've gone to get help and their lives have changed yes yes I have seen that and and I would say that that the biggest factor here is to make people feel worthwhile um love is an easy way word to use um, and we use it sentimentally. But if you can give it unconditional love, if you can do the opposite of judging people so that, that those who are suffering realise that um, there is somebody there, um, there is hope for change, um, because everybody really, deep inside, they don't want to be where they are in their lives, um, and they need to see that somebody believes in them, someone has hope, um, somebody's not judging them. Uh, I would say that was one of the most important things. And, and not to say, well, you've been detoxed once and now you've gone back to it, because just like any chronic condition, people relapse all the time in all sorts of conditions. Um, and it might take three, four, five, six, ten times to perhaps either have rehab or detox or start in recovery. But if you just our understanding, give them the right support, people will eventually, um, in the majority of cases, recover. Um, I was just reading a really interesting um, research paper that was comparing recovery outcomes from alcohol addiction, um, uh, hypertension, and I think the other one um, was, I can't remember, it wasn't diabetes, but it was something similar. Um, and when you actually look at the facts... Uh, people in recovery from alcohol are just as likely to recover um, and um, have as few relapses as those with hypertension, um, 
The other condition was something where you had to change your diet, which we all know is really, really difficult, similar to diabetes. And, and people find that just as difficult. So it's a perception. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perception that addicts don't recover. They do. I'm not laughing at the serious content you're talking about now. I'm laughing about my, my own serious thing. I mean, it's been well known. It's famous on the Shoes of Biscuit. I, I've been doing keto. I've been doing oh, keto. Oh, keto. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not supposed to be. Three weeks I haven't been. And this is, the, this is the only thing I can use to relate to someone that's got an addiction problem is it's always next week. I'm back on the keto next week. I'm back on the keto next week. And it's it's just not happening because, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess we're just happy in a little bubble at the moment. I, I guess there's lots of people like that. And I think, too, people know how much resilience they've got. Um, and perhaps they know, um, and you yourself is perhaps one of those, that you've got enough to deal with um, and that that would, might just tip the balance. Mm. Um just coming back to uh, recovery, um, I had a very interesting chat with a very experienced hypnotherapist and addiction specialist this week who was emphasising that um, if, you're, if you're trying to change your behaviour, we have a tendency to, to talk in negatives. You must stop doing this. Yeah. You must give this up. You must have your last cigarette. No more smoking. And she said, even that, if it's reframed in a positive way, well, you're moving in this direction and these are the benefits that are going to be. And let's, let's imagine how your life could be. That, that that sort of way of thinking is all part of, of the way in which you would like to have far more success. In, in addressing behaviours that you want to change? I, I quit smoking for about three years. I, I'm back on it now, but I mean, I did. Uh, I, it was simple, really simple. Another colleague of mine from years ago, uh, we didn't get on at all, actually. We used to argue quite a lot. Uh, but the one good thing he did for me is um, he was like, why are you always going out to smoke? Blah, 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 you know, like the, the typical mm. thing. So I don't get to smoke, I don't smoke. I was like, well, I'm trying to quit. He goes, well, just say you don't smoke then. That's how I did it. Just mm. say you don't smoke. I don't smoke. And... Mm. That simple thing, it was like a mantra that I was just like, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. And you, you repeat it in your head enough times and you start to believe you don't smoke. Mm. And I stopped, that, that phrase stopped me from smoking. That's really weird, but it did. It was mm. uh, quite positive. And the other massive positive there is that you did it. You know you can do it because you've done it before. Mm. So you've already got that under your belt. Yeah. It's just making the choice. Yeah. I think, I think once everything is, uh, is tickety-boo, I'm in my apartment, everything's running back to normal, you know, I think that's that's a better place for me to be in, to, to be a bit more healthier, to maybe kick the cigarettes and to maybe, you know, make more positive changes because at the moment I, I feel like um, I'm, I am like filling up my schedule just to make myself feel worthy, I guess, I don't know, I'm just trying to make my, make my worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's just because there's so much negativity going on in my, in my uh in my life at the moment, but um, Cher is Cher is making some good positive noise at the moment. I'm, I'm really proud of what you guys are doing. The stuff you're doing in the quarry at the, at the moment is really, really positive. How's that? How did that happen? Well, um, one of our Cher volunteers, Max, is a hey, runner. Max. Good old Max, yeah. Um, and uh, he has a Facebook page, and he started to record the rubbish that he saw in the quarry as he ran through, uh, and then he started taking a bag to put some of the rubbish in because he hated to see um, all of this uh, stuff all over the place. Um, And then he spoke with us, um, or I I had a chat with him, and um, we thought it would be a great idea maybe to do a litter pick, uh, make it official, get see if anyone else was interested in keeping the quarry looking beautiful. Um, So we set up a date 
and we've had two now we're going to have it's going to happen regularly on a Saturday at 9.30 in the quarry for about an hour. Uh, the last two weeks we've had over 30 people come along and it's actually been quite a joyous affair each time the sun has shone, even though the forecast said it wouldn't. And people have just uh, rocked up. They've, they, we've supplied them with the PPE that they need. Uh, they've just gone off with a, with a bag. It's an opportunity to chat with people, talk about things in general, talk about recovery and addiction if people want to as well um and we've we've all actually got something from it so thank you max i want to thank you for introducing me to max because now he's part of team biscuit now i mean we i asked him to um to come and help us with our social media i thought yeah it'd be good just to because i need to i mean if anybody's interested in helping us out with that i'm still open for ideas because max is actually a brilliant talker like I, I, he was going to sit behind the scenes do our social media and just help us out. But he was eager to get on the microphone, so I did. I organised some shows with him, and he's been fantastic. And I don't think I'm going to look back. He's going to be. It's going to be one of our hosts. He's been fantastic. So thank you for introducing me to him. He's he's an asset, absolute asset to the town, to the town. Yeah, yeah, he is, and uh, he's affected um, the lives of other people too. Because uh, um, and it's good for the charity as well because. We like to um, be seen in a positive light. We like mm-hmm. to be doing something for the community. It's not all about taking and, and, and being offered help. Um, that's why the charity is called Share, because to me it's a reciprocal thing. We give, we receive. People give their time and their talents, and, and, and we give back as well. So um, it's all part of um, attacking or, or tearing down the stigma around addiction. I mean, incidentally, um, again, research shows that people in recovery make the best employees. They're so conscientious, they're they're full of gratitude, they've got their life back. Mm. And again and again, um, um, long-term surveys and research demonstrates if you want a good employee, ask someone who's in recovery. Nice. That's that's, that's a really good way of looking at things. Mm. That is a really good way of looking at things. And it's true. Um. As well, <clears throat> we got a friend in common who's the high sheriff of, of Shropshire, D- uh, Dean Harris. I love this lady. Um, she's ace. I, I really do think she's a, a great person. Uh, her her goal is to is to you know go after um, serious issues that are going on in Shrews, uh, Shropshire. Should I say? Um, you, you guys talking quite a lot at the moment. Yes, we talk a lot. Um, Dean is is a great friend as well of Cher Shrewsbury and we've been working on various initiatives uh, around the delivery of services for people with um, drug and alcohol uh, support needs and looking at what the services look like at the moment and and how these could be improved, uh, working with people in recovery for them to let us know what they think is needed uh, with all these terrible cuts uh, to council budgets, uh, the service itself has shrunk and isn't able to do what it used to do. So it's more important, more important than ever, to use the money wisely. Uh, yeah, and we've got some exciting things that we're working on together. It just seems like um, it just seems so simple when you think about it. You know, if you if you attack uh, child services um, in a positive way, or you attack a depression. Uh, mental health services and that'll have a knock-on effect on addiction because people get addicted because they're depressed and it just seems like a, such a, a positive thing to do so mm. when she was talking about that I was like this is exactly like because we, we have taken a step backwards a huge step backwards in fact like 
even the the rhetoric you see on social media like you'll see a video of someone doing something you know completely unorthodox and some would say probably crazy and then the the, the comments would be just horrendous and you're like well they've obviously got a mental health issue that there's a rhetoric there that people just don't care anymore mm. and that's because everybody's taking a step backwards and i, I really do applaud uh, Dean Harris for for her stance. I think it's important. Yeah, she's a very feisty lady. She's a, a woman mm. on a mission, and um, she hit the road running when she started in her year as high sheriff. Um, and we we met together with uh, Shropshire Recovery Partnership last week to talk about services, and we all um, together identified that there's a, a gap, actually a pretty serious gap in that there's no um, awareness raising um, being done with school children, no prevention work around substance misuse. There used to be, but there isn't any more. So um, I'm hoping that we can work, or we will work with Shropshire Recovery Partnership and Shropshire Council to look at putting something back in place so that the children, our future in Shropshire, can... um, be taught and told about the dangers of substance misuse and also around county lines um, because uh, um, Sonia Jones who heads up Young Ad Action has done a lot of work nationally as well around county lines Um, and me I'm a Shropshire councillor as well and for a long time Shropshire Council didn't really want to engage or think that there could possibly be any problem with our Shropshire children uh, and, and drugs and, and abuse. Um, so I think it's become as, it comes quite of a shock over the last few years that this problem is here and that we need to address it. Yeah, sometimes you've got to lift up that rug to clean underneath it, you know. Mm. Um, and a special mention goes to Ben Butler. Ben Butler's been on our show before. Um, he's done a lot of work, a lot of real positive work because he was, of course, part of County Lines. He was... He was infiltrated by them and he was he was their enforcer. But he went on to work with young people to encourage them to stay away from things like that. He's done amazing things. Um, and I shared a post of his from the Shropshire Star because obviously they were talking about the, the Black Lives Matter thing. And he was talking about the racial abuse he had growing up um, around Shrewsbury, Telford, you know, anywhere. Um and because I shared his story, a lot of people got in touch. I really like Ben. I like Ben. I mean, uh, I won't mention his name, but uh, one of my peers, very respectful peers, was like, "I want to, I want to help Ben because he could be like the face of Shropshire racism, drugs. He could be that face. He could be that person with the right guidance. And that 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 is like <clears throat> people wouldn't have said that years ago. They wouldn't have said that years ago. They'd be like, yeah. "Oh, he's a druggie." He's done time in prison. But now the people are talking, like you're saying, people are talking about things in a positive way, and that's good. And I don't know his background, but um, with County Lines, it's the, our most vulnerable children that are the ones that get um, targeted. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you know, but Shropshire has so many um, children's homes um, for children out of county. Um, I think it's probably the the, count, the county in England with the most children's homes, not run by our council, run by other organisations or private groups, but they've just set up residential um, properties and establishments in Shropshire. So sometimes it's quite hard to keep track of all of the children, who um, some of whom may be homeschooled, who might go under the radar, but are extremely vulnerable to anything like um, exploitation. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yes, it's daunting. It's a lot, but I'm glad someone's doing it now. You know, you're doing a lot with uh, locally with with addiction. I mean, how how are things now compared to when you first started? Have you grown in size? Lots of clientele. And... 
Oh, well, things um, kind of move organically, and I probably have the charities moved in ways that I didn't expect it to. Uh, and of course, with COVID on top of all of that, uh, I think a lot of the online stuff we're doing has come out of the circumstances that we're in um, globally. Um, and we're now looking at accessing um, expert opinion and expert views virtually so we can bring in some of these national experts like um, Professor David Nutt, who was um, some years ago the um, the government's czar, a drug czar. But I don't know if you remember, he got publicly sacked from his position by saying that um, we shouldn't be focusing on crack cocaine or heroin, we should be focusing on alcohol because that by far outweighs any damage caused by any other drug. Um, the government didn't like hearing that message. Yeah. And think of the economy, him. think of the economy. Yeah, yeah, think of the money we make yeah. in taxation, etc., yeah. from alcohol. I mean, that makes uh, perfect sense to me Just why he was sacked. But mm. uh, yeah, he's, he's on the money. He's on the money. He's but. on the money, and he's a professor, research um, fellow, um, and practitioner. Um, I think he works out of Imperial College, doing fantastic work around, um, particularly around alcohol addiction. And I, I look at all the research continuously um, to to keep up to speed with what's happening. I mean. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to I'm going to bring it negative a little bit now because I did your survey, I, I did it, and there was a question on there that says, "Is alcohol is alcohol unhealthy?" And I I put yes, obviously it's unhealthy, but I sometimes I sit I sit like, for example, the weekend uh, last weekend I got loads of loads of abuse because of the Black Lives Matter thing. I was I was in a terrible place. I was just like, oh my god, like I tried to do something positive, blah blah blah, got attacked, whatever. I did a podcast with my friends uh, in America. Um, I, I got a couple of beers. I was having a couple of drinks. I did a great show, and I felt on top of the world. It was great. It, it helped me just just relax and realize things weren't as bad as they were. And it's obviously not just to do with the alcohol; it's to do with the company and what we were doing. But I can't I can't help but think that that helped. And I, I see that as like a, a, a sort of a mental investment. You know that I felt I felt so much better after that. Mm. Um, so is is there something to say that you know? moderation is okay i think um a couple of things um i think i think one is is about education i, I think if people are educated and, and they know what alcohol is then they can make a choice about whether they want to take it or not <laughs> i sometimes drink alcohol but i do know um that it is a toxin and a poison and all it does is harm the body um hey it does nice things to the mind it's a depressant, it relaxes you, it means you're less inhibited. And quite often that's exactly the hit or the effect that you're looking for. Um, people like to drink it before they go out or, or under, you know, to a party or whatever. Um, so initially it has very pleasant effects. And I think that as long as you're educated and you know what you're dealing with, then you can make that informed yeah. choice. I think it's, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I hear a lot of stories about, oh, don't worry, I'll be fine, I'm invincible. You know, don't worry about either of that invincible feeling. It's not going to bother me, I'm fine. I know that I'm drinking Coke right now, vanilla Coke. It's terrible for me. I'm drinking it, though, because uh, I'm thirsty. Yeah. Because life's all about making choices like that, isn't hmm. it? We all do things that harm us. But sometimes, I think, especially with alcohol, people just don't have any idea where it could lead or the damage it's doing to their body. Um, and, and if you have the information, you can still choose to drink, but at least you know what you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got to be aware. Um, 
What are your plans this 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 coming year? When 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 lockdown is released, I can't remember if we talked about this share biscuit, biscuit. It was such a long time ago. Uh, mm. It felt like it anyway. Um, what are your plans for this year? Once we get out of lockdown, what you what do you want to go out there and do? Well, I want to do more shared biscuits. Yes, we got. We're, we're in the process of planning something <laughs> right now, aren't we? I think. Um, uh, we, we are going to get our heads together. There's notes in my book. In fact, you've given me loads of good names of people I can go to to organize yeah. good shows. So there's, yeah. uh, I've got to thank you for that as well. We're going to do more Shared Biscuits. And in fact, this is a shout out to the listeners. If you want to get involved, um, you know, get in touch with us. Our, our, our email, I'll give it to you. It's uh, shoeswithbiscuitpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, drop, drop us a line. Drop us a poem, a story of a, of a situation you've had with addiction, whether you've been in recovery or if it's someone that you know has suffered and you want to share their story to try and, not want to say scare people into recovery, but just to show that these things are real, you know? If you've got stories to share, poems, music, whatever you want to do, if you want to get involved with Shared Biscuits too, please get in touch. And could I just say as well that if anyone's got a recovery story that they want to tell, there's nothing more powerful than um, personal testimony of of how things were in your life so please come forward or if you're fam- family or friends um it'd be great to hear your experience of what it's like from the other side of the fence yeah um and what have you heard of any sort of influences um that are you know aren't counseling or maybe a distraction a hobby or anything have you heard of anything like unique that you've along your path somebody something that somebody's done that's just transformed their lives you know do you mean into recovery? Yeah, like something that they've, instead of thinking about drugs, they've, they've put their mind into, I don't know, uh, cycling or mm. uh, sport or something. Oh, it's plenty of that because uh, people who, who have an addictive personality, sometimes when they become aware that they need to get into recovery from something that's really harming them or, or affecting their life badly, will try and transfer into a positive addiction. So you will have people who start going to the gym loads yeah. get very fit get interested in their diet and and of course um that can be a good thing because um you're channeling it into something more positive they might get into art being creative uh, and a lot of people in recovery feel an enormous gratitude that their lives have been given back to them as they see it and and many of them actually go and start working as recovery support workers or um, counsellors nice. um, and if you if you if you have an addiction um, and my daughter would have told me this used to tell me this loads of times she would have a lot more respect getting counselling from someone who'd been there and done it and was in recovery because she felt that if you hadn't been you didn't really understand the complexity of the condition yeah, I feel that I, I understand that I mean I, I work in support um, in my job but I, I don't I don't have the qualifications. I have life. I was I was a, I was a pain in the backside when I was younger. I did all the things that these kids did. I do it now. I did that when I was younger. Um, so I feel like I can relate to them, and they kind of appreciate it. I feel mm. I'm coming on their level, so that that makes sense to me. Yeah, because you 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 sort of almost can get in their heads, can't yeah, you? Yeah. You see where they're coming from, and whereas somebody else might just be critical, you can say, "Hey, you know, I was like that." and I didn't do it for that reason. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's empathy, and that's a wonderful quality to have. Yeah, I love that about me. I mean, if you'd met me a few years ago, you wouldn't recognise me. <laughs> I guarantee it, I guarantee it. I love how, how, how life has pushed me in this direction. But um, I've got people like you to thank, you know, people that have shown me like, a, a lot of support with this show because, I mean, this show has helped me grow as a person. And I feel like this is, this is my... I won't say it's my addiction, but this is my drive. This is my purpose. And if I didn't have this... I might have been doing something else stupid, you know, <laughs> you know. 
Have yeah. you ever um, told your story of how you got from there to here? Um, no, not really. I, just, I, I feel like I've lived like three different lives and the other two lives are, are happy in the past. They're good in the past. I'm all about now and, and what I'm doing now and the positive things that I do. Um, because, you know, I, I've had to... I moved to Telford with a bag of clothes and stayed, stayed at my mum's in the spare room. I didn't have anything, didn't know anyone and had to rebuild my life all up again. Mm. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting story, but it's one for another day, I think. Okay, well. You know, the podcasting's mm. definitely helped me. I think uh, when I first started doing Thor's Kin, the other show, um, it was hugely, a huge impact on my life um, because um, I, I found podcasts and they helped me, my mental health a lot, just to have something in the background. And once, once that clicked, I wanted to do that for somebody else. I wanted to help other people. So I started doing that and I wanted to bring out, you know, um, you know, the, the, the people that, that, that can't go out to the pubs with their mates because they don't have enough mates or the, the, uh, the people a bit like me that are a little bit odd, a little bit broken, you know, uh, bring them together create a community and that's what we did and that's what I want to do with the Shoes and Biscuits tell people about what we're doing here Can I just pick you up on something? Yeah <laughs> or refer back to it you talked about you got these two or three other lives and they stay in the past um, I don't know if you saw the recent Horizon TV programme about, about Tony Slattery no. um, it was called Whatever Happened to Tony Slattery he was a big very famous comedian about 20 years ago um, he was part of that group, um, Hugh Laurie and all that lot. Mm. Don't know if he was in the Fast Show, but he was up yeah. there, very successful, um, very um, financially successful too. Very good-looking guy in his twenties, and he suddenly disappeared. Um, nothing's been heard of him. Um, Stephen Fry was a big friend of his, uh, and just recently he's re-emerged, and um, he's now trying to do a one-man show or, or a show that's going around the country. But his story is that he had mental health issues, addiction issues, and he just couldn't handle the fame, etc., etc. And he spent 20 years trying to find his way back into some sort of recovery. Mm. And the programme talks about um, him seeing specialists who diagnosed he's got bipolar and also... It, it, it turns out his main issue at the moment is alcohol addiction. Um, he's drinking all the time. Well, he's, he's drinking. Um, and in the therapy that they show you on TV that he has, he sees um, a psychiatrist who actually goes right back to his childhood and uncovers something that happened to him. That He said, no, 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 that's not relevant. That doesn't matter. Don't want to talk about that. But he actually, and it's on the TV programme, was sexually abused as a child. Wow. And it... Just, you know, once again, it seems like this traumatic childhood experience could have set this, this stage for the rest of, of what happened to him in later life. And he now is trying to address that. So, um, you know, things are in the past, but they might not be in the past. No. So they might be coming back to haunt you. I, I mean, I have to address a few things later on in life, I guess. It's nothing serious, by the way, listeners. I'm not a serial <laughs> killer or anything like that. But, um, I, I mean, there was, when I was younger, in my 20s, I had no ambition. I was like, oh, I've got a job in a factory. I'll be a cog in the machine. I don't care. And then when I, when I kind of moved to Telford, um, I was kind of like, okay, um, I'll, I'll work at Asda for a bit. And then I was like, no, I'm worth more than this. Let's get a better mm. job and support what I'm doing now. And then when I moved to Shrewsbury, I was kind of like, let's, let's do something. It's like, mm. I can do this. Let's do something. And that's when I started to change. And it was all, it was all about, I think, more maturing more than anything. Mm. Yeah, and also, <clears throat> um, I think when you're a little child, uh, it's so important that the, your parents 
believe in you, tell you you can do anything, mm. um, because it helps you to grow into that person who has confidence. I mean, I'm not saying that didn't happen to you, but in many other cases, um, parents maybe weren't there in the, in, in, or giving the confidence and unconditional love that little children need to yeah. flourish. So much of it comes back to when you were little children. Yeah. One day we'll do a... We'll do it. We'll, We'll dim the lights and we'll have an Alex special. <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about my life. <laughs> Jane, you're, you're fantastic. I love speaking to you. Every time we come on the show, we always have the most riveting conversations. Uh, and, you know, we will get shared biscuits together at some point. That The uh, the invite is there for you guys. If you want to get in touch and get involved, please do. Because uh, I think shared biscuits was very well uh, listened to. It was very well appreciated. Um, so it's obviously doing some good out there. So we will need to get another one made. Um, so get in touch. Uh, give us an incentive um, and send us in some uh, some good stuff for us to share because it's called Shared Biscuits. Mm. You know. and can I just thank you, Alex? Um, and that Shared bis- bis- Biscuits episode was, was so powerful because people were showing raw, real emotion. And, and that's what the public connects with. They mm. hate hypocrisy. Um, I think that's why they don't like politicians. Um, but thank you so much for, for making this happen and, and for everything you've achieved. In, in, I mean, I'm looking around at your studio. You're so professional. You've got regular <laughs> shows. Um, so um, you really seem to have found your rhythm and um, oh, are succeeding you. Thank you. at this. Uh, I've got my team to thank, really, because uh, they, they, uh, <laughs> they keep me going. Because uh, I do have have wobbles, or I, I mean, like four o'clock in the morning, I'll be like, "Yo, guys, I made a cool poster." Share it on the Facebook. Uh. Thing. <laughs> no, I've got a good team, a group of people around me. Um, but yeah, you fancy? I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, guys, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate it today. Um, make sure you give our website a, a follow. We are at www.theshoeswebiscuitpodcast.co.uk. We are recording this today from our beautiful studio and, and the Parade Shopping Centre. Uh, thank you very much to the guys uh, there that have given us so much support and so much uh, so much leeway with things. You know, They're just like, yeah, come record the podcast. Yeah. and then, yeah, it's, it's cool. I love it. Um, would you like to share people with people your social media and where they can get in touch with you? Yeah, we've got a Facebook page, which is Share Shrewsbury. If you just put that into Facebook, it'll come up. And that's very interactive. We post things most days, tell you what events are coming up, um, put things on to interest or, or um, inspire you. So, um, or, or to discuss things with you, please get involved there. We also have a website, which again is www.shareshrewsbury.com. .co.uk um, <laughs> where you can uh, sign up for um, fill in our contact form um, and then you'll be on our, our mailing list so we can let you know what's happening and invite you to events and just just to engage if you're out there and you're listening and you want to talk about addiction you want to talk about something that's happened in your life um, you want to reach out in any way please get in touch we, we're just waiting to hear from you fantastic beautiful Well, guys, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Jane, for joining me. Um, I'll see you later, guys. Peace out. Bye-bye.